Why is it so hard to give him our battles? You know, he sets us in the battle. He sets us in front of our enemies, doesn't he? And all he wants to do is make us more like Jesus. Through the battle. Through the battle. Well, it's good to have Brother Jeffrey here. I'm going to get him to come make his way up. I appreciate that song, Miss Joy. It's beautiful. Hadn't heard you do that one before, have I? That's a new one. All right, I like that. And uh, I appreciate all the, all the singers, Layla and Miss Kay. And uh, they have been a blessing in the choir all day today. And uh, I thank them. I want you to give your attention to Brother Jeffrey tonight. And he's been called. So you give him your attention well. All right, we thank you. Hopefully that's not a sign of how things are going to go. <laughs> anyway, um, thankful for the opportunity tonight. I know I say that every time, but I am thankful. Um, not extremely happy, you know, about the circumstances, obviously, but um, what the Lord's put on my heart is, is very similar to, uh, similar to the circumstances that, that we're we're seeing right now. Um, the uh, everything that I have isn't quite as you have to excuse me. Everything that I have not, isn't quite as polished as I'd like it to be. But uh, I was instructed by my wife to make sure that I kept a track of time, so I left my phone back there. Uh, but I did not realize that the other was it Wednesday night or Sunday night that it went as long as it did. I know I've apologized to a few people, but. I was trying to hurry. I promise I was. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter number 12. And uh, I'm going to read a section of scripture um, from verse number 1 down to about verse number 13. And uh, I feel like I'm always drawn back to the book of Hebrews. There's chapter 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12. There's so much there that, that seems to just keep on coming and coming and coming. And it's also applicable to our life today. Everything that we go through, and I, I know, I've said this before and I realize that, but you know, the Bible uses language like the sun rose in the morning, and we, you know, we realize that the earth spins, sun didn't technically rise. But even the way that God wrote the Bible, it's, it's a living book. It's a book that we can read today, and it's completely applicable to our lives and the people that read it back when it was written, they completely understood it, and it was applicable to their life. If God would have written down, well, you know, the, the earth spun and the sun rose, it may not have made sense to them. But God wrote, he was, he was great enough to write a book to a people that could understand it all throughout the ages of time. And again, that it's completely applicable to each of us. Um, but I'm going to start in verse number uh, 1 of chapter number 12. Or chapter 12. Um, Wherefore, seeing we are... We also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not, re not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thy chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If we endure chastening, God dwelleth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if we be, bar be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then we are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, having had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reference, should or shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasteneth us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastising for this present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which are hanging down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, and let it rather be healed. And we'll end, uh, end reading there. So there's uh, the author here, he's, he, he goes through, and I'll, I'll lay a little bit of an introduction, and what I'm wanting to get to is, is the part about the, the chastening or the correcting of God, um, but we'll, we'll lay a little bit of foundation for that. In chapter number 10, I know we've talked about where he's pointing from all these shadows to the substance of Christ. He leads from there and goes into talking about all of these people who through faith and obedience to a promise Followed, followed God in what he had been given. They, their obedience was based off of that promise that God had given to them that a, that a Messiah would come. And through that faith, each of them were able to, to go through different things. You know, Moses, he went through, you know, he, he suffered in the wilderness. He left the, the palace of, of Egypt, suffered in the wilderness. Abraham, he left his home. He was, he was just journeying around, not knowing where he was going. All these different people that, that it talks about in chapter 11, they did all these things in obedience to a promise. So he, he's, he's trying to convince the believers there that don't, you know, don't, don't get distracted at what's going on in your life. That it's all purposeful and it's all leading up to a, to a certain thing. Um, so he gets down through chapter 11. He points out all these people, all the things that they went through. And he goes in and he starts talking about a race that we're to run. A lot of the, the uh, I guess, analogies that were used here in chapter 12 are talking about athletes or the different ways that we're to train ourselves in the race that we are called to run. He said, Wherefore, we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So the first thing that I want to look at really quickly is the race that we're called to run. And like I said, again, we'll, we'll move on to uh, uh, the relationship that we have with God as our Father. 
So in verse, number, in verse number one, he said, he said, because of all this great cloud of witnesses, because of all these people who have gone before us, looking, to the, looking at them, looking at the race that they run as a motivation for the race in our life, he said, look at that, and I want you to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. So he's saying, we're getting ready to run a race. We're running a race. It's not, it's not a 50-yard dash. It's, it's, it's a long race. It's going to in, 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 encompass our entire life. He said, well, we're going to run this race, and because we're running this race, we need to look at a couple things. And the first thing he mentions is to lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. So he mentions the weights, which are the things that aren't necessarily sinful, but are going to weigh us down in our life. In the book of 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that no man who warreth gets entangled in the things of this world. He said, if we're, going, if we're running a race, if we're going to be a soldier for Christ, that we're not going to entangle ourselves in all the things of the world. And some of these things may not be in and of themselves sinful, but we're called not to get entangled in things that are tangible, but keeping our eyes on things that are eternal. That's, that's what the whole call of these three chapters are, is to get our mindset and our perception on the eternal things and off of the things that are going on around us, whether they be good or bad. So he calls them, he says, to lay aside every weight. So get rid of all these things that may entangle you, Get rid of all these things that may slow you down, even if they're not sinful. If they're not keeping your mind on Christ, get rid of those things. One of the analogies that I heard, and I've, I've had trouble implementing it in my own life because it's not an easy thing to do, but one of the things that I've, one of the ways that I heard it put is we, you know, the way that we live our life a lot of times is not, not really in the mindset how we should. Um, the, the guy who was speaking about it, he had grown up during World War II. And I, some, I don't know if anybody here remembers that or not, at least maybe, maybe the 50s or 60s or I don't know. I'm not going to say how old people are. But he was talking about during World War II how his parents lived in such a way that it, it, it wasn't like we live now. Is, and this is what he was saying. He said they did things with the mindset that they were at war. They were conserving certain things. They conserved energy. They got up all the, you know, recycled certain things. To pr they all, some people went and, and I think it was Ford, if I'm not mistaken, Ford Motor Company, if I'm not mistaken, they actually quit producing vehicles and started producing tanks and things. So everything changed because they had a mindset that they were at war and everybody kind of gave into that effort. And that's a similar idea as what Timothy, or what Paul was telling Timothy is, We've got to realize that we are in a battle, we're running a race, and we need to lay aside everything that's going to take away from that. While, again, it may not be by itself sinful, if it is slowing us down in the race that we're called to run, we're called to lay it aside. So he says not only every weight, but every sin that so easily besets us. That word beset, it literally means to entangle. Again, going back to what Paul told Timothy, he said that if Every man who wars, he doesn't get entangled in the things of this world. There are some sins in our life that are, honestly, they're easily avoided. There's some things that we literally walk into knowing what we're doing. And those are the sins that he's saying to take those sins, to get rid of them. The ones that are avoided, don't, don't even go close to them. That's, that's our problem. We, there are these sins that we could avoid that we don't. And the call is to get rid of the sins that we could avoid, but we don't avoid. The second ones that we can, we can see are some of the sins that we admire. Some of the ones, it's our pet sin. The one that, you know, some of us may call them a guilty pleasure. The one that we know is wrong, but we still kind of hold on to because we, we love that sin. 
we get we actually get ourselves into a mindset you know the bible calls us to more fire to kill our our flesh to kill the sin in our flesh but we get to a point where we set things because we love that specific sin we love that specific thing we get where we don't mortify that sin but we train it to know exactly when to come out in our life we get into a mindset where well i can do this i can switch this stuff around where i can kind of i can get into doing this and not not have to get in trouble about it or there won't be any consequences but he's saying those sins that we admire to lay those aside to get rid of those he speaks in some, uh, we can look at some and see some sins that ensnare us the ones that are dangerous the ones that are trip us up and trap us you know some of us may think about alcohol or different things there's specific sins that we can get into that it'll get a hold of us and we won't be able to get rid of those we won't be able to let those sins go and that kind of leads into some of the sins that are dangerous and those so those sins that entangle us become sins that are dangerous and all of those things whether it be drugs or alcohol or fornication or gossip or any of those things that can entangle us and and pull us away from the race that we're called to be running the Bible calls us to lay those aside to get rid of them in my own life the call is to look at my life constantly evaluate my life and get rid of the sins that are going to trip me up and slow me down in the race that I'm called to run for Christ the one thing that I did notice down through this passage is he tells us he tells us to lay them aside you know I, I have a I have a, a problem where I want to blame some of my if if I get angry at my kids I want to blame things on my kids or if I get angry at my wife she was the one that was being stupid it's not my fault it's somebody else's fault or you know we may look at things where well it's it's the devil put this in my life he tempted me to do this and while sometimes that is the case the Bible calls us us to lay aside these sins it's not the sins that people are throwing at us it points us as the culprit we're the one who is who is the sinner we're the one who is doing these things and it calls us to lay them aside the reason for all this is because we are called to run with patience and again I know my mind goes back to chapter 10 where he constantly said you're in need of patience you need this endurance you need to persevere and that's the reason that he's calling us to lay all this aside because we need to run with patience and then it leads down into from there it's you know it speaks of us looking to Christ and some other things but I want to jump down in uh, I guess to verse number five you know in verse number four he he basically just real quickly he points out in verse number four he said um, he says you have not resisted unto blood striving against sin basically what he's saying he said you're you're acting like you know you would go to die for Christ you're acting like you're a great Christian but you're not even laying your sin aside you, you ain't you you haven't really been persecuted and you don't even lay your sin aside so he drives all this home and he's he's getting ready to talk to them about the chastisement that they're going to go through his sons the uh i want to look at really quickly i'm not going to go through these but if you kind of look if you kind of keep these things in mind and you read down through uh chapter number 12 the call is for us not is this not to be careless about the chastisement that we will endure don't take it take it seriously basically don't don't be careless don't look at things and just think oh it is what it is it'll be what what'll be what'll be but look at these things in the way that we're called to look at them he said i don't want you to be crushed by this chastisement i don't want you to, to get where your spirit's crushed by i want you to have the right perspective about it he said but i do want to be clear and the three things that he points out is that chastisement is number one a privilege because only sons are chastised number one it's a privilege to have chastisement 
Number two, every chastisement is purposeful. And number three, the reason for chastisement is that it produces. And again, while we know it produces, it produces, it'll tell us down toward the end of the chapter that it's going to produce patience or endurance or perseverance in our life, and it's going to produce holiness. And that's, that's the thing that we have to understand about the patience or the endurance that we're going to go through about the things, you know, to deal with the things that we're going to go through is that patience only comes through the pressure in our life. If we look back at our life, the thing, the reason that we're able to endure through the things today is because of what we went through yesterday and so on and so on and so forth. So we only have patience through pressure. Um, if, if I look at, I, I'd always thought myself to be a pretty patient person, but in reality what it was is I saw myself as patient because I had never been tested. I'm not saying that I've been tested in some great way at this point in my life, but that pressure is what is going to work that patience. It's not something that just comes. Um, so we'll look down in here. So the, obviously when, we, when we're thinking about chastisement, and we'll read down uh, through these few verses again, he says, Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. And he actually quotes a verse in Proverbs here. He says, My son, despise not thou chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourged every son whom he received. So he said, Remember in the Old Testament, this stuff was already, this stuff was already pointed out to you. He's already talked to you about chastening, so he's going to kind of bring that back into remembrance. And ultimately, what these people were needing to understand, what we need to understand today in our lives is, why do things happen? Why are things happening in our life the way it happens? Why do we go through the trials and the suffering that we go through? And the, the, the beauty of this is it's all, it all has a purpose. There's nothing that we go through as children of God that doesn't have a purpose. And that's one, or we talked about the privileges. One of the privileges is that everything that I go through because I'm a child of Christ has a purpose in my life. While there may be those who, who refuse God and are enemies of God in the world, they may go through things just like we do. I go through things because of my own stupidity. They're going to go through things because of their own stupidity too. But the difference is God, because I am his son, will work my stupidity for his good, my good and for his glory. So all through this, why did these things happen? Number one, they happen to grow us. So again, everything that we go through in our life is going to grow us to become more and more like Christ, to come, become more and more holy. Number two, he does it so that we can comfort others. And I know in my own life, I've looked at things that I've gone, not that I've gone through some huge tragedies or anything, but there's specific things in my life, little, little things where I can look back and see one of the reasons that I had to go through these things was to bring comfort to other children of God. That's what we are as Christians. The body of Christ, the Bible says, we're fitted and joined together. We are all given specific gifts, and we all go through certain things so that we can build up and edify one another. That's what we're here to do. We are here to edify one another and in turn glorify Christ to the world. So we can see, number one, that they grow us. Number two, that they, they, uh, they help us to comfort others. And number three, again, kind of hitting back what we, we talked about a second ago, there is a purpose. One of the things that, that I know, one of the mindsets that I had, especially when I first got married, and you know, I guess everybody who, here who's gotten married or had gotten off on their own, they know that things... For whatever reason, everything can be fine, but as soon as you say I do, everything just goes haywire. There's the finances. How can, how can one income be absolutely fine and you bring two incomes in and everything goes crazy? 
all those, all those little trials that you go through when you first get married, I, I had a mindset on I'm, I'm obviously doing something wrong because, you know, I've, I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, but everything's going crazy in my life. I had gotten into that mindset where Christianity was easy. And that's, that's completely foreign from the, the entire Bible. Christianity is never a call to be easy. It's a call to suffer, but we're suffering for a purpose. Even if we look at Christ, Christ came and Christ was the Son of God. We are all sons of God, but Christ was the Son of God. He was the God-man. He came and submitted himself to the will of the Father. Christ did not have an easy life. He mentioned that he didn't have a place to lay his head. He went through no people not liking him, suffering, trials. And I understand that he was God. But if God allowed his own son to go through all those things in his life and eventually come to a point where he was killed, why would we think that as, as lesser, so to speak, sons of God, that our lives would be any different than that? We've got to get the right mindset about the things that we're going to go through. So he says in verse number five, he says, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children? So he points to him, he asks him, he says, Have you forgotten? And then he goes through, and he's going to, in verse number seven uh, through about verse number nine, he's going to explain to them that he's speaking to them as sons. He says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, Whereof all are partakers, then, ye, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which have corrected us, and have, we have gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection unto the Father's spirits and live? And verily, for a few days chastisement, uh, the, a few days chastise us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness." So one of the things that we, we need to keep in mind in all the things that we go through, again, there is a purpose and there is a reason behind all of it. And that's, that's the core of what the author was conveying to them. Everything that you go through, is, it's for a purpose. It's personal. It's, it's working, whether it be a death or suffering or trials or, or you're homeless or whatever it may be. Everything that we go through as children of God, it has a purpose. That can be a comfort in our life that no matter what we look at, no matter what we're going through in our life, we can keep in mind that it has a purpose. It's not for no reason. Everything that we go through is making us more like Christ and bringing glory to him. But the Bible tells us that it's for our own profit, everything that we go through. But the one thing that that I want to make sure that I I point out as I kind of continue down through this, and again, like I said, I'm a little bit bit scattered here, but... uh, in, uh, in Psalm, I'm going to turn there real quick. In Psalm uh, 119, verse number 67. Excuse me, I should have had this marked already. But um, David is mentioning basically what chastisement has done in his life. Uh, in verse number 67, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. And then down in verse number 71, he said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn that statute. So one of the things that David understood, and not to get ahead of myself, but one of the things that David understood is that the afflictions that happened in his life were to bring him closer to God. 
And so there's three different ways that we can, we can look at things that happen in our life and kind of tie them back into the chastisement that we're going to be under. But one thing I do want to make sure that I point out is that this chastisement, and this, this may have been a flaw in my own thinking, maybe I just didn't understand some things, but this chastisement, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a punishment. There's, you know, we, I had an image of God in my head where he was waiting for me to sin so he could just drop the hammer, and then I would look at everything that was going on bad in my life and just trying to figure out what did I do wrong, what, what did I mess up in that God's punishing me in this way. But what we've got to understand is all of these things it's, it's, never a, it's never a punishment for us. It's never to make us pay for our sin, but everything's done in love. In my own life, with my own kids, I do not always discipline my kids out of love. A lot of times, more than I would like to admit, I discipline them out of anger. I discipline them because they made me look stupid, or they made me mad, or whatever it may be. I have, I have the wrong idea in my discipline, and that's what I kind of what I had, guess, had conveyed upon God is that God was waiting for, just because he was mad at what I did, he would discipline me in that way. But the chastisement that we're under as the children of God is all done out of love. And we can see that in three specific examples in the scriptures. Number one, we are sometimes chastised as a correction. And we can see this in David's life. David sinned with Bathsheba, and there were specific things that happened in his life that brought him closer to God. There were specific things that happened that, you know, God told him the sword will not leave your house because of what you did. But what David understood here and here, and we looked at in Psalm chapter 119, is his afflictions brought him closer to Christ. And that's the mindset we have to have about the chastisement and the suffering that we go through as sons of God is that it's all, it's all a correction. It's all to straighten out our path. When we start to veer one way or veer the other way, it's God kind of moving himself in to where we are staying on the path that we're supposed to stay on. And if we constantly keep on going through things over and over and over, it, it may be that we are just completely blind to what God's doing in our life or that we are rejecting the chastisement that he is, the affliction that he is putting in our life and ignoring the reason that it's there. So number one, we can see that there was correction in David's life. Another reason that chastisement or bad things may happen in our life as children of God is for prevention. And we see that with Paul. Paul prayed. He said that he had a thorn in his flesh. He had this thing that was afflicting him. And he prayed, he said, I prayed three times to God that he would get rid of it. But God told him that his grace was sufficient and that he was doing it so that he would be glorified. There may, whether it was that God knew that these things were going to be in Paul's life so Paul wouldn't become prideful. Whatever it may have been, God had let Paul know that he was going through these things in a, in a preventive manner. So in a, it, was a, it was a discipline to keep him out of a specific way that he could have went. So we can look at correction, we can look at prevention, and in the third way, sometimes our chastisement is an education. We can look at Job. There was... God needed to teach Job some things. It wasn't because the Bible tells us that Job was a just man, that he was righteous. It wasn't because he was in some kind of gross sin. It wasn't even necessarily that God was trying to keep him away from something. Job was a rich man. Job had a lot of, of, of respect and a lot of riches. But it was an education for Job. God had to point out some things and explain to Job who he really was. And there was, there was all those things that Job went through as an education. So like I said, in verse number 9, he said, By faith he sowed, or I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. So in verse number 9 of chapter 12, he says, he says, Furthermore, we have 
had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and gave them, and we gave them reference. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? He said, For they verily for a few days chastise us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers in holiness. So he points out that God's chastisement is superior to a human chastisement. It's, it's not just, it's not like with my kids. They're not just getting chastised because I'm mad. He's doing it for our profit. And not only does he tell us it's for our profit, but in verse number 10 and 11, he mentions that it produces. So in verse number 10, he said, For they verily a few days chastise us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of holiness. Now, no chastisement for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. So we understand that nothing, it's not fun while we're going through it. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And he kind of ties this whole thing with chastisement into the race that's being run. He's, he takes the, this, this part in verse number 11, he ties it back to verse number 1. He says, all of this stuff, all of this race that you're running, all the things that you're laying aside, all the chastisement and the correction that God is putting you through, it's all there for a reason. And that's to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness under them that are exercised thereby. So the, what the author is trying to convey to us is he wants us to understand that all this stuff, it, it's going to produce something in us. It's for a reason. It's in, in that reason is to make us to become more like Christ and to show his glory through our lives. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a chance to be able to preach tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll take these feeble words and that you'll apply them to our hearts, Lord. Help us to understand that the things that we go through are purposeful and they're for a reason and they're out of love and for our pleasure, or for our profit. In Jesus' name, amen.